evening, brothers and sisters in the Lord. We commence our annual celebration of the Feast of St. James the Just, known liturgically by the bold and stunning title, Adelphos to Theu, the Brother of God. At least that's what he's called in the Orthodox Church. Now since the word brother in Hebrew and Aramaic indicates any sort of close connection, especially a connection by blood, we do well to understand that James was a cousin of Jesus. Hebrew and Aramaic have no word for cousin. And those of you who were around back in those days, I'm talking about real old timers, who remember we had our Africans here. Practically everybody they knew was a brother, but certainly any relative was a brother. That was the word for it. They didn't have words for cousins. Now this was the view that Jesus was a Pardon me, James was a cousin of Jesus. This is the view of the church fathers and ecclesiastical writers most familiar with idiomatic expressions of the Middle East. The Byzantines were not. The Byzantines were not familiar with that usage. But those who actually lived in the Middle East, they knew it and, and said so. He's, he's a cousin. Jerome of Bethlehem, John of Damascus, James appears to have been related to Jesus on his mother's side, first cousin. I say on his mother's side because, strictly speaking, Jesus did not have any relatives on his father's side. He was Jewish on his mother's side. The earliest writer to address this matter, the historian Eusebius, identifies James as the, as the son of Clopas, who was the brother-in-law of the Theotokos. His mother's name also was Mary, and the New Testament refers to her as the wife of Clopas, and pictures her standing with the mother of Jesus, the apostle John, and Mary Magdalene at the foot of the cross. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, and you know the rest of that text. Our earliest literary reference to James comes from St. Paul's epistle to the Galatians, written, without bidding too fine a point on it, written in the early 50s. Paul wrote, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days, but I saw none other of the apostles except James the Lord's brother. 
Jacobon turned out a phone to kill you. In the mid-50s, Paul once again referred to James when he speaks about the early witnesses of the resurrection. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. That special revelation to James is not mentioned in any of the Gospels. But long before a single gospel is written, there's the evidence of it. It is instructive to observe that St. Paul, on the two occasions, two epistles, when he mentions James, numbers him among the apostles. James is the other apostle. Even though James was not one of the original twelve. From the Acts of the Apostles, written some decades later, we know that James took part in the Council of Jerusalem sometime around the year 50, prior to Galatians, because Galatians refers back to it. Now, although Luke describes the Apostle Peter as presiding at that council, we observe that St. James had the final word in his decision. It's very interesting when Whenever Peter and James are named together, James always precedes him. It's, it's an interesting thing. Thus Paul wrote, when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, steely, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Now, it's curious, the order in which Paul names these three pillars, James, Peter, and John, is exactly the order in which their epistles appear in the New Testament. James, Peter, and John. Unlike the other apostles, James did not leave the city of Jerusalem. Indeed, Eusebius says that James became the first bishop of that city. In fact, apparently the first city to have a bishop. On this point, Eusebius is worth quoting at length, and you'll be hearing a lot of quotations tonight. Then James, whom the ancients surnamed the just, on account of the excellence of his virtue, is recorded to have been Reported to have been made the bishop of the Church of Jerusalem. Clement writes this, and he quotes Clement, for they say that Peter, James, and John, notice the order, Peter, James, and John, after the ascension of our Savior, as if, as if also preferred by our Lord, strove not after honor, but chose James, the just, Bishop of Jerusalem. According to Eusebius, who was, after all, the Bishop of Caesarea, James the Just was martyred shortly after Paul left Caesarea to be taken to Rome. This was in the early 60s. You want to say 62, that's fine. I won't argue, argue with it. That's fine. Let me quote Eusebius again. But after Paul, 
in consequence of his appeal to Caesar, had been sent to Rome by Festus, the Jews, being frustrated in their hope of entrapping him by the snares which they had laid for him, turned against James, the brother of the Lord. They couldn't get Peter, so they went after James. Um, couldn't get, yeah, couldn't get Paul, so they went after James. They, they turned against James, the brother of the Lord, to whom the Episcopal seat at Jerusalem had been entrusted by the apostles. The following daring, daring measures were undertaken by them against him. Eusebius goes on to describe the trial. And you've already heard quite a bit in the chants this evening about what happened to James. Continuing Eusebius, leading James into their midst, the Jews demanded of him that he should renounce faith in Christ in the presence of all the people. But contrary to the opinion of all, with a clear voice and with greater boldness, parisia, greater boldness than they anticipated, he spoke out before the whole multitude and confessed that our Savior and Lord Jesus is the Son of God. Now the assembly reacted negatively to this testimony. Eusebius goes on. But there everyone, pardon me, but they were unable to bear longer the testimony of the man who, on account of the excellence of his ascetic virtue and of piety which he exhibited in his life, was esteemed by all the most just of men, and consequently they slew him. Now, with regard to the death of James, Eusebius gives details. I quote again. Opportunity for this violent deed was furnished by the prevailing anarchy, caused by the fact that Festus had died just at this time in Judea, and that the province was thus without a governor and head. Now, Eusebius, after quoting Clement on this point, goes on to cite an earlier source, come by very close to the apostles, the earliest his church historian after Luke, a man by the name of Hegesippus. Hegesippus fills in many details about the life and character of James. I'm quoting here Hegesippus as he is quoted by, by Eusebius. The manner of James's death has been already indicated by the above quoted words of Clement, who records that he was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and was beaten to death with a club. But Hegesippus, who lived immediately after the apostles, gives the most accurate account in the fifth book of his memoirs. It's interesting, we got people living right after the apostles who are writing memoirs. Hegesippus writes as follows, James, the brother of the Lord, succeeded to the government of the church in conjunction with the apostles. He has been called the just by all from the time of our Savior to the present day, for there were many who bore the name of James. Three right in the early church, Jacobos. James, according to Hegesippus, was a very ascetical figure. I quote Hegesippus again from Eusebius. 
He was holy from his mother's womb. And he drank no wine or strong drink, nor did he eat flesh. No razor came upon his head. He did not anoint himself with oil, and he did not use the bath. I know this, you're going to find this. And he didn't get invited to very many parties. <laughs> it doesn't say that, but you. James, had Josephus continues, was a man much given to prayer. And there's what I want to direct your attention. James is a man of prayer. It's very interesting, and I'm not sure I completely understand it. Here's what Hegesippus says about the prayer of James. He alone was permitted to enter into the holy place. For he wore not woolen, but linen garments. And he was into the habit of entering alone into the temple. Was frequently found on his knees, begging forgiveness for the people so that his knees became hard like those of a camel in consequence of his constantly bending them in his worship of God and asking forgiveness for the people. There's your picture of the first bishop. Hegesippus records that James was a bulwark of Christians. I go on with this ancient text. Because of his exceeding great justice, he was called the just, and oblias in Greek, which signifies bulwark of the people, and justice in accordance with what the prophets declared about him. Now this evening, beloved of the Lord, We've listened to the first 11 verses of the only extant work by James, the brother of God. Here, once again, that very first verse. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. I think the version you heard, which I think it's RSV, I think, uh, speaks out the, the simply the dispersion. NT diaspora, diaspora. You hear the word diaspora a lot. This first verse of the epistle indicates already that James was an authority recognized outside of the Holy Land. He could write in his cyclical. The church is addressed here, the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, were apparently of a Jewish makeup, and they looked to this first bishop of Jerusalem, the Lord's own kinsman, as their spiritual father. In this sense, James is not only our first example of a bishop, he is our first model of a patriarch. Now, in this opening chapter of his epistle, which you've heard substantially, James speaks of wisdom, which he associates with prayer. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. It's the first of a whole string of metaphors for which the epistle of James is most famous. All those, all these figures and metaphors, they just come flowing out of him, especially when he starts talking about the tongue. And perhaps this evening, this should be the takeaway we gain from our consideration of James the Just. The practice of prayer in the pursuit of wisdom. You see, wisdom is not just something we pray for. It's something we have to have in order to make the prayer. It's an act of wisdom. The model for this is, of course, Solomon. Who explicitly prayed for what? A wise heart. That was Solomon's prayer, a wise heart. So that he could govern God's people, Israel. The prayer for wisdom, recommended by such a man, is always efficacious because prayer itself pertains to the pursuit of wisdom. It's a wise act. And we grow in wisdom as we pray. Amen.